Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in the NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. Last week, NAHU submitted comments on the Biden administration's proposed rule to fix the ACA family glitch, where we noted our questions, concerns, and suggestions for the Treasury Department to consider before the rule is finalized. Additionally, NAHU's annual convention in Austin, Texas is right around the corner. And for those of you who are attending in person, there is a legislative track of professional development breakout sessions that you absolutely must know about. Here to discuss all this on this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour is NAHU's Marcy Buckner. Let's begin by talking about the family glitch. We covered the proposed rule in detail in the April 8th edition of the Healthcare Happy Hour, but for context, could you briefly summarize the issue of the family glitch and how this rule from the IRS contends to solve the problem? Sure, Dan. And like you said, we discussed this at length in that April podcast, so I will send you back there if you need more of an explanation of the family glitch. But this proposed rule seeks to change the definition of affordability so that in a family, and here I'm going to use the example of the Brady Bunch so that it makes it easier to kind of follow along. So currently with the existing definition of affordability, if Mike, the husband, has an affordable offer of coverage from his employer, the architecture firm, then if the architecture firm also offers coverage to Carol and the kids, regardless of how much they're contributing towards that coverage, because Mike, as the employee, has an affordable offer of coverage from the employer, and they offer coverage to the spouse independence, like I said, even if they don't contribute in anything, under that example in the current rule, Carol, Marsha, Jan, Cindy, and the boys can't go to the exchange and qualify for a tax credit based on their family income. Under the proposed rule and the change in how they would define affordability, they would now take into consideration whether Mike, with his employer-sponsored coverage, that's affordable to him as an employee. And if the employer is offering coverage to the spouse independence, they'll look now to see if it is a true affordable offer of coverage to the spouse independence. And if it's not, if it's more than 9.5% of the family income, then Carol and the kids can go over to the exchange and possibly qualify for a subsidy based again on family income. So they will take the entire family income into consideration for spouses independence. But in the example I gave, especially if the employer is not contributing anything towards the spouse independence, it probably is more financially feasible for them to go to the exchange and seek a subsidy. And that's really what the family glitch is. It's that these spouses independents have been barred from being able to access the subsidies on the exchanges, even in these situations where they may not have any contribution towards the spouse independence coverage from the employer. 
obviously NAHU is grateful that the administration is seeking to remedy this issue, as this is something that the association has been working on for quite some time since folks were aware of the family glitch. However, we had several concerns that we wanted the agency to consider, starting with the proposed timeline. What did we say regarding the current timeline outlined in the proposed rule? Yes, Dan, and you're right. We are happy to see that the administration is taking action to fix the family glitch. We've been asking for a fix for quite some time. The family glitch impacts about 5.1 million Americans. However, the way that they're fixing it, they're projecting that only 200,000 will actually gain access to coverage through the exchange. So we do have a few concerns about this and the, the way that they're going about doing it, and especially the timing of how they're doing it. So the proposed rule would allow this to go into place January 1 of 2023. I know it's shocking to say that it's June of 2022, but January is just around the corner. Carriers have already submitted their plan designs for the following plan year, and they did so without knowing that this proposed rule was, was going to be finalized. I may have heard hints that the administration was working on something, but the proposed rule didn't come out until April. So many of the carriers either didn't address their plans or had already submitted them for approval. So we are concerned that some plans may not have adjusted for the actuarial change of allowing this population into the individual market. It's also happening at a time where we are uncertain about the individual market subsidies and whether Congress will act to extend the increase in the individual market subsidies that were increased under the American Rescue Plan Act and expire at the end of this year if there isn't action from Congress. And it's also potentially happening at the same time as the Medicaid unwinding, which will occur at the end of the public health emergency. There was a federal mandate restricting them from being able to go off of Medicaid in order to help maintain coverage. They will then, depending on how the state determines the what they're calling the unwinding, they will go off of Medicaid and onto the individual market, and many of them will be eligible for a subsidy. So we're looking at a lot of uncertainty and change in the individual market. And then because of the timing of this rule, they're adding the fix to the family glitch on top of that. All of this means that this fall, when we're barreling towards open enrollment on November 1st, it will be very difficult to accurately predict someone's premium and what their premium tax credit could be. And we know from experience, and you all know from speaking with consumers, the confusion that happens when you try to predict a premium tax credit and someone's income is inaccurate or there are changes in their income and, and what can happen there. So we have asked for a one-year delay on the fix to the family glitch so that we can get past the unwinding, we can get past Congress action or inaction on the increase in subsidies and have those pieces certain in the market before we add another element in. And so what did we have to say about the potential impact on the employer-sponsored market? Well, Dan, one of the reasons why in the preamble to this proposed rule, they were predicting only 200,000 would take up coverage in the exchange with this change to the family glitch was because the agencies admitted that they don't have the data to accurately predict how many people would actually be able to go into the individual market and get a subsidy. And this is because they don't have specific data from employers really reflecting whether they're offering spouses and dependents, quote unquote, affordable coverage based on their 
family income. They have it based on the employee, but not based on what their, the offer is to the spouses and dependents. So this is going to impact the employers because in order to be able to calculate that when spouses and dependents go to the exchange and to be able to retroactively go back and, and look when they're doing their taxes, the IRS and Treasury is going to need to know from the employer whether that affordable offer of coverage existed to the spouse and dependents, which means a potential change in employer reporting and changing the data that is collected from employers. So that's one aspect in which employers will be impacted. There's also a concern that if there is a large amount of these spouses and dependents that are leaving the employers, that there could potentially be an impact on participation. I know in, for some groups, spouses and dependents don't count towards participation, but in some they do. And so for some employers, this might make a difference as to whether they're able to hit the numbers that make it possible for them to be able to afford actuarially to be able to offer their employer-sponsored coverage plans. And what about folks who are eligible for coverage through non-calendar year plans? Right. We brought this up because we think that this is going to be a bit more confusing to reconcile kind of what I just described with the offer of coverage from the employer and the timing for an individual going into the exchange. There's also a question of if they're on a non-calendar year plan with an employer, if and how they're able to transition to the individual market if that's what they choose, just because this may happen outside of the open enrollment period. Is this considered a special enrollment period? They're not technically losing coverage from the employer. They're just choosing possibly not to take it. So there are a lot of questions on how this could impact the non-calendar year plans with reporting and timing of transition. The proposed rule also fails to reconcile a change made by the 2023 Notice of Benefit Payments and Parameters regarding verification of employer-based coverage. So what is the issue here and what did we suggest? So we brought this up because in the most recent MBPP, there was a section that said that HHS and IRS would now take a self-attestation when approaching the individual market as to whether someone has been offered an affordable offer of coverage from their employer. So our question here is whether that was intentional to line up with the proposed rule on the family glitch, because it seems to open the door and make it pretty easy for people to just say, I don't have this affordable offer of coverage from my employer and almost immediately qualify for a premium tax credit. And we do feel like there need to be a few more guardrails there to prevent people from potentially getting a tax credit that they don't qualify for and then facing having to pay it back. Also, with the language of the self-attestation, it made it almost sound like they wouldn't be responsible for paying back as much, which is also a huge question that we have. Um, so that's what we are raising in that section of our comment letter. Just a reminder, this is a proposed rule. We are waiting for a final rule to be issued and potentially some other proposed rules or sub-regulatory guidance that will accompany that final rule to allow for some of those things that we pointed out, like employer reporting that may need to change, to be able to align with the final rule and allow it to be implemented the way that they are intending. I would also say there are still whispers about possible challenges to the proposed rule because of the way in which the administration is seeking a change to the definition 
question of affordability. Many believe that this is something that has to go through an act of Congress. And so doing this through the agencies, um, some believe violates the process. So we'll be keeping you guys up to date as we see any challenges filed there. And of course, as we see any action towards a final rule or any accompanying kind of sibling rules that will help this one be put into place. And for those who may be interested in reading our comment letter, you can find it on NAHU.org under Advocacy Under Policy Documents. Moving on to convention discussion. As I mentioned earlier, there is a plethora of professional development sessions during this year's annual convention. One set of breakout sessions is considered the legislative impact track. So, Marcy, what do we have in store for folks who intend those sessions? Yeah, so we're kicking off with a familiar topic here with a Compliance Corner live session, and we'll be joined by members of the Compliance Corner that will be there to answer your compliance questions, very similar to the popular session that we have at Capital Conference. So make sure that if you have come across a sticking point in some of your compliance efforts, you jot that down and bring it with you. And our panel will be happy to answer that from the stage. That session will be followed by what's being called the Intersection of Leave Laws and Employee Benefits. That will be hosted by Marilyn Monahan. And then we'll have a presentation on the No Surprises Act and transparency from Paul Roberts at Warden Brown. And he is also the colleague who I stole the Brady Bunch example from to use during the family glitch. So a little ear tug and thank you to you, Paul, for that example. And then the legislative track will conclude with Jennifer Berman from MZQ Consulting talking about the mental health parity requirements and going through some of those new NQTL requirements and the audits and what you can expect with that. So I know there have definitely been a lot of questions about the NQTL analysis, and Jennifer has worked through a lot of different audits with clients and has a wealth of information to share there. It is now time for the NHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So Marcy, what are we toasting to this week? This week, we are toasting to Juneteenth. It is, as many know, became official federal holiday in 2021 when President Joe Biden signed the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act. Juneteenth commemorates the date, which was June 19th of 1865, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation and two months after the end of the Civil War, when hundreds of thousands of slaves in Texas finally learned that they had been freed. This is a milestone in American culture, and we are happy to celebrate the newest federal holiday with Juneteenth, which this year will be observed on June 20th. Cheers! Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.